It's almost the weekend. Get your weekend here. <laughs> Get your weekend. $1.50 weekends. Yeah. Do you remember that at like Preston Market? There would always be that guy there on the Saturday, like late on the Saturday, who'd be like screaming at the top of his lungs, like 50 cent. 200 kilo bag of potatoes. <laughs> yeah, trying to dude, get how, could, how could I forget? I could hear that guy from Phoebe's room. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he had it like hooked up to some like loudspeaker that could only kind of, you know, have like three frequencies at once yeah, going yeah. and it was just super distorted. Yeah. yeah. Good, no, good nothing, nothing but treble, just like straight through <laughs> everyone's yeah. window panes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how you doing, man? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm good. I'm good. I'm a bit crispy today. I had a really big week. Um, yeah. But uh, man, it's 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 been nice just trying some new things and like I went to a golf club and had dinner. Um, Whoa. With Phoebe's dad, and that was like the first meal I've had outside of a house in like nearly two years. How was it? Um, it was really great at the time. It ended up being a bit too much, but you yeah. know, like I got out there and gave it a go and like, I'm close, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's not something I can just do willy nilly, but I'm, I'm close to being able to pull it off. Yeah, dude. That's awesome. That's awesome. What did you have at the golf club? I had a chicken palmer. No, oh, you was, can't go wrong with a chicken palmer. It was pretty fucking thick. I mean, also, chicken palmers notoriously put me on my ass too. Like you have one and you're like, <laughs> I have to sleep. For a day now, you know, like they're, uh, they usually bowl you over normal, normal non-fatigue folks over pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got like swathes of chicken battered and covered in cheese. Like it's a, it's a lot, it's yeah. a lot for the, the human physique to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And like a whole serving of chips as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's no, exactly. It's, it's no basic meal. This is not on your meal plan. This, this is like, <laughs> yeah. this is coming at you from... From the night hole, ready to just destroy you. <laughs> so, oh you my know, god! The, the oh fact that you god. got through the meal in the first place—that's that's pretty good. Yeah, look, I I got through that meal, had a big snooze, and yeah. then I booted up Dark Souls Three. Oh, and, fantastic! Uh, yeah, let me tell you, I'm having a really good time with Dark Souls Three. Very good. Um, it's just—it's I think it's the most fun Dark Souls. Like, it's just. It's a lot easier than the others, and because it's linear, the pacing of, like, all the items and stuff is just really well implemented, you know? Mm. You know how we were talking shit about Elden Ring, how, like, everything you find is magic users only and that kind of thing? Yeah. Because, because it's, like, open world, it's really hard to pace, like, the way the player finds things, but this yeah. is, like, super curated, and so it's just really varied, and you always find something, you know, if not straight away, you know, just a little bit after you've found something for, like, faith or magic, you find something for strength or dexterity or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm doing, like, a super convoluted roleplay thing. Okay, hit me with it. What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! What what is their name? It's like Kankles, Kankler. I can't remember. Okay. Um, let's go with Kankler. Um, yeah, so Kankler, uh, Amnesiac. Every every time he beats a Lord of Cinder, which are like the four big bad entities in mm -hmm. Dark Souls Three, he 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 has like a, an Amnesia episode, and he he becomes a different character 
So I've got, I've got these five characters that I've written out and they like all stick to certain things. Um, and every time he beats a Lord of Cinder, I roll like a 1d5 or a 1d4 or whatever. And then that's the character he becomes. Right. Um, can you, can you be the same character twice because of the randomness or not? No, no. I take okay. the character out once he's already been it. Uh, so okay, he, it. Yeah. he, he started off as this like pyromaniac and, um, so I started, you know, my starting class was the pyromancer and everything had to be fire. So like I didn't wield a weapon cause it wasn't fire imbued. Like I had a right. torch and like pyromancies and like, because he's a pyromaniac, he wouldn't use any of his Estus flask charges for healing because, you know, he'd need them all to make more fire. Right. So like, <laughs> you know, like I really got into things that it's just like so much fun because it just, like, I just have never played a pyromancer like that before. Mm. Um, yep. And yeah. And like, just had a ball played through the first bit of that game, beat the first Lord of Cinder rolled, rolled the die again and landed on the, this fallen knight dude that I'm playing at the moment. And he's like, you know, he's got like black steel armor and he's like been exiled. So he doesn't wield a shield. He's got like right. a crossbow in one hand and this like curved knife in the other that gets around shields and like he only backstabs and <laughs> does like does tricks and stuff like that. And yeah. it's just like, it makes things so much harder, but it like, it makes them so much more fun if you're like really familiar with the game. So how, how are you reassigning stats? Is there like an item you have that's allowing you to do that or are you just running yeah. off the last set of stats? Nah, so uh, much like in Elden Ring, like in the first, well, even before, like it's, it's sooner than you encounter it in Elden Ring, but you're able to find someone who can re-attribute your stats. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so like, every, yeah, whenever I beat Lord of Sim Cinder, do the amnesia thing, roll the die, pick my character, and then I look through like the armor and weapons I've got and just yep. figure out what stats I'll need as a bare minimum to kind of be able to pull off the, the role play aspect of it. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to hearing more about Kankel's adventures as oh they delve ever deeper into the Lords of Cinder <laughs> uh, and discover yeah. more about themselves, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been really cool. There's what something about... like, um, you know, I watched this TikTok the other night that was like the phases of the dude. And it's like, as you progress through life, you know, you go through different phases. It's, it's, it's totally just like pseudoscience-y, like made up comedy, but mm -hmm. it was like, you know, phase one is like you know when you're a toddler everything is all about like um uh what was it i can't remember it was basically like you, you have to go somewhere fast you know you're like i see mm -hmm. a ball i gotta go get it and that, that's mm -hmm. kind of the whole phase yeah and the next one is like being a contrarian when you're like in your early teens and sort of early 20s it's like i know the facts and so your argument doesn't <laughs> matter all that sort of stuff and then <laughs> the next phase is like the reconciliation phase where it's like you don't you know, you, you accept that other people have opinions other than your own and that you're able to like forgive people and stuff like that. <laughs> and, then <it's, laughs> and then the final phase, although, you know, the second last phase is like the, you know, thirties through usually to the rest of your life, which is like just confused drinking a beer. <laughs> <You're> just... <laughs> and it reminds oh me God. of cankles a little bit. Like as you, as you pass each thing, you, you do a new thing yeah yeah oh my god that's so good yeah i'm like i'm really i i mean that, that's the thing you kind of have to do when you're role-playing characters like this but i'm really imbuing like 
kind of projecting my own thoughts over the top of theirs for what they might be thinking as they're yeah. going through places. Like, um, you know, one of the things that that's hard to get around when you role play a game you're really familiar with is like, I know where all the bonfires are and that kind of thing. Right. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I don't have to be like, Ooh, uh, you know, I'm scared to continue. Maybe I should go back all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and with the, the pyromaniac, I was like, Ooh, maybe my guy can like sense the bonfire, you know, cause like mm. the fires you find aren't lit. They're just kind of embering out. And I, I loved the idea that like canonically my dude was like, Ooh, I can sense it around this corner. I'm just going to yeah. run straight for it kind of thing. Yeah, man, I'm so pumped for you to get into the mods for that because there's all sorts of stuff that would be like make that part of it, not uh, not you having to necessarily make stuff up. It would just be like, oh, the bonfires are more random now. Like you, there's yeah. some, some are there and some aren't there and they've moved and all sorts of stuff. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, the mod scene. One day. One day. <laughs> One How day. about you, dude? How have you been? What have you been playing? Yeah, I've been pretty good. Um, had a second week back at work um yeah man it's been it's been good to be back on the tools a little bit and making stuff um, yeah feels good uh it's sort of like a reassurance you know it's like oh actually uh i do enjoy doing what i do and i'm glad that i'm not just resting you know like not um not wasting my days by by not doing the thing that i love doing so right um sort of came across you know how you're like oh it's it's always good to like have a break or whatever but then mm -hmm. like the break extends a little bit and you're like i'm just gonna keep breaking i guess <laughs> you know like <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go back to it and uh yeah it's just like a nice feeling to be like ah, oh, i'm glad i went back to it um yeah that's awesome yeah um uh, and yeah it's just been good to like get back into the game that we're making um mm -hmm. It's always it's always cool to like come back and like see what um johnny my boss has been up to like what he's been dreaming up over the holidays and what he's been writing and uh it's, just, it's also just been cool to like see everything consolidate a little bit you know like through pre-production the game changed a lot and so um right it's nice to see us sort of like settle on some stuff mm. um and to see how that's you know unlocking a bunch of things basically you know like it, it makes it so that certain other things can move forwards which is cool Right. Um, yeah. I, I gotta say, like, I've been watching Game Maker's Toolkit and, like, no clip documentaries and hmm. just seeing how kind of much a game can change from, like, pre-production to production is insane. Yeah. Like, I, I saw the documentary for Outer Wilds and, like, they won the like this really big design award for outer wilds in 2015 like mm. they won that award four years before the game came out <laughs> you know and it's just yeah. like so much changed over that four years and it was just insane to see like how big those projects can can really feel mm. yeah 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 it's like when we when i first signed on to the project it was like a different game like it was just a different thing full-on um right, there's right. almost nothing recognizable from the original um that where we're at now at least so yeah it's going to be cool to one day do a talk i guess about that whole thing and go into more details and maybe on the pod we can talk about it once it's out and and you know discuss some more of the ins and outs because i can't say really much but yeah it's just cool to cool to have that all that stuff going on um i played some more factorio <laughs> oh sick uh, it's been so good to get back into that game um yeah 
I picked it up from where I left off. I didn't start again, thankfully, um, even though I love the start of that game. And um, I played a little bit of Hunt last night, which was cool. Mm. The, the event in that game is really cool at the moment. I think I mentioned that last time. And yeah, yeah. I haven't really been playing too many games this week, to be honest. I've just been <clears throat> resting in the evenings, get home, walk the dog, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Living that suburban lifestyle, baby. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, yeah. And I've been playing a little bit of the, the game that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've been so excited for this. Yeah. Um, shall we go through a, a couple of chicken wings before yeah. we, we dive into the uh, the game. Um, Absolutely. What do you got for me? All right. Well, I mean, I don't know about you, but I thought it was kind of slim pickings this week, so we might have a bit of crossover, but... Um, yeah, probably. I got, uh, I got some news uh, from Microsoft here. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I read an article on Kotaku and, like, the title seemed to be pretty clickbaity compared to, like, the meat of the news itself. Wow. So, like, I, I saw the article and it was something like, Microsoft makes 10,000 cuts across their various studios. Yeah. Um, but, like, reading the article, there's only been 873 confirmed cuts. I mean, I say uh, only, that's fucking yeah. shitloads. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's, it's more like 10,000 staff members have been affected. Right, um, okay. But it's it's um you know it's pretty substantial because this is across, um three four three coalition and Bethesda and like you know the games these studios are making are Halo, Gears of War and Fallout and Skyrim. So like, you know these these are no small kind of uh, studios or IPs we're dealing with here. Yeah, yeah, and boys. Yeah, I, I saw uh, an article this morning that is suggesting that Microsoft are taking Halo away from 343. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't read that one, but I know that um, Halo has been in trouble for a while now, and this mm. most recent you know, restructuring and whatever has happened at 343 with Microsoft is not made it easier <laughs> like it seems yeah. as though it's really like messed them around and they've had people leaving key key roles leaving which is never good yeah um, so yeah that's crazy so they're thinking about giving it to a different studio is that right i mean this is just from apparently this um twitter user that has leaked halo information in the past that's been accurate and they've just said microsoft are taking halo away from 343 yeah. Um, so yet to be confirmed. Um, but yeah, just uh, fucking wild to me that like, you know, when Microsoft is in trouble, Halo is one of the IPs they're cutting down. And I know, mm. like you say, they've had troubles with Halo Infinite and like, you know, they were the multiplayer's free to download and that was a new thing for Halo and they've taken all these risks and I don't know if they paid off, but yeah, yeah. I just... I just, like, I feel like Halo's been there since the beginning. <laughs> yeah, know? dude, it really has. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Um, it's Part of me is a little bit like the some of, sometimes these IPs need to go out to pasture a little bit, mm -hmm. like, in order for things to move forwards. And it's a shame that it's not due to the people working at the company, you know, like the artists mm. and programmers and stuff that obviously really care about Halo 
It's mm. more just seems to be about, you know, the corporate greed and the str- struggles with the economy and all that sort of garbo right now. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. it sort of feels like it hasn't had its chance to like naturally, I mean, it has naturally faded out a little bit, but it's, it's in a, not quite the way that I would, you know, my ideal scenario for the way that Halo would like sunset as, a, as an IP. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd rather not see it get like flayed like this and handed to a different person. <laughs> You know, like, yeah. it's it's not it's not good. Yeah, well, I wonder if, it, like, it's just going to do, you know... I, w- these big video game IPs are kind of on route to do the Marvel thing where they just, like, squeeze out every penny <laughs> and yeah. then they just reboot it a couple yeah. of years later and it's just, like, the same stuff over and over again but different studios, different actors, blah, blah, blah. Potentially, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if we're if we're as bereft of original ideas as it appears to be, then that sounds like the, <laughs> sounds like the likely case. Yeah. Um, speaking of um, trouble in tech, Ubi has looked like they've put another delay on their boat game, Skull and Bones. Do you know about Skull and Bones? Mm, no. So Skull and Bones is sort of like Ubi's answer to um, oh, what's that other boat game called? I've forgotten it. Oh, to... Sea of Thieves? Sea of Thieves, yeah. Sea of Thieves happened and Ubisoft was like, oh, we see an idea we can take. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, they, they did this trailer like in 2016 or something for it. Like it was a long what? time ago. Yeah, right, ages right. ago. And ever since then, it's just been getting delay after delay after delay. And I think this is this most recent delay for Skull and Bones was the sixth delay. Jesus. So, yeah, it's been in production for way too long, costing costing Ubisoft, you know, literal millions, millions and millions. Right. Um, so, yeah, they delayed it again. And I have a feeling that it's just going to get canned. Mm, <laughs> I think yeah. it's been, it's a, it, with this most recent delay, it's been the game that's been the longest in development, most delayed to overtake um, Duke Nukem Forever. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, man, it's so strange to me because, like, they did Black Flag and that has so many cool mechanics around yeah. sailing and ship combat and, like, I feel like at worst they, like, have a pretty high platform to start with, you know? It's yeah. not like this is a AAA studio that's diving into a genre or, like, you know, a style of game they've never done before. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I just, I have no idea, like, which part of Ubisoft is, is responsible for it. There's probably, like, you know, the team that made Black Flag has all moved on. They're in different departments, and it's like, well, we have the code base, but that's not really useful to us because no one here coded this, so. Mm-hmm. And we have the, you know, maybe we have one of the designers, but they're being, like, railroaded by corporate or whatever, so we can't ever get a chance to actually talk to them. So, you know, like all mm-hmm. sort of, there's all sorts of crazy Ubi-related things that could be going on. Triple yeah. A um AAA. and so they also cancelled three unknown titles at ubisoft oh yeah that's help. um yeah that's that's the news i had last week they're negging us bro cancelling yeah. titles that never existed <laughs> yeah yeah well well it's been speculated and this might be i can't remember if you mentioned this last week as well or not but the um they might have cancelled on watchdogs 4 or division 3 wait there's a wait okay Was yeah. there a watchdogs 3 I don't know. I, I don't know. Like Jesus I was, I was, Christ. I was gonna say there's a Watch Dogs three, but look, I'm so out of the loop when it comes to yeah. to those games. Like, 
I'm pretty um, sure it was Watch Dogs Legion. Was Watch oh, Dogs Three? Yeah, right, that's right. Okay, yeah. cool. And then Watch Dogs Two was supposedly very good. It was the, got the cover with the dude with the satchel backpack and the cap on. And then Watch Dogs, <laughs> Watch Dogs One was apparently not very good. Isn't that isn't that just a descriptor for every single character in Watch Dogs? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We're all we're all hackers here. We all yeah. wear hats because that's part of the you know black hat white hat. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I'd honestly be keen to give Watch Dogs Two a crack because I heard the one thing I heard that interested me was that you can realistically play a pacifist character and i was right. like oh that's different for like an open world sandbox game that's set in you know pseudo reality yeah well it's on game pass so you can go and snatch that up and play it on your xbox machine anytime you feel like it shit yeah do you want to mention the you know the um thing you were talking to me about yesterday to do with game pass no that's not that interesting okay cool <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's just leave that in the, in the dust then people can try and figure it out on their own off of those two tiny pieces of information that there was an xbox related thing and it's not very interesting <laughs> uh, um oh yeah, that's all the news i have man do you have anything else i got nothing i got nothing i wish i had more but i got shit all there was just not that out there that seemed interesting i actually did write down a piece of news about Alec Baldwin being charged for manslaughter, but uh, I don't know yeah. how relevant that is. <laughs> Not very. I mean, yeah. it's, it's got guns in the story. There you go. That's, gun that's video game related. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah. I, I, there was another one here that is also slightly tangential. Uh, Amazon set to erase, uh, what was it, 10,000 jobs, 20,000? What was it? Hang on, let me see here. 18,000 oh, people. Oh my god! This um, I feel. I feel like all the news we're bringing is just fucking sad. Post-capitalism wasteland. News. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So spending is slowed and tech is slumped pretty badly over the last six months, and so yeah, Amazon's like, yeah, we're gonna fire eighteen thousand people. Um. So well, there we fuck, go. fuck people. Yeah. Um. All right. How do well, we recover from this? <laughs> well, this is, act I mean, you know, this is topical because, uh, you know, the game for this month uh, was very much about, like, the obsolation of the American dream and that kind of thing. So it's, uh, you know, that's kind of a smooth segue, I guess. We're just going from tragedy to tragedy. Mm -hmm. Um. um so yeah, how do you want to do this? Do you want to hit me with your statement as you as you normally do? And I've actually got one as well this time, so we can share oh we can share statements. Oh my god! Okay, yeah. So I um, you know, there's always a little bit of pretension when you're talking about writing for me, at least for me, because you know when you're like talking about video games or you're criticizing them, like most people know what entertainment is, right? There's not mm. like a lot of pretense to that. You're just like, I know when I feel entertained and that alien isolation, that ain't entertaining. And like, yeah. you know, it's easy to, to have fun with and, and talk around, but like, I feel like there's a little bit more, um, to like understanding books and, and that kind of thing. So like, uh, you know, I've read, like, a, a, a couple of the classics, like um, Mark Twain and John Steinbeck, um, Truman Capote, Scott F. Fitzgerald. Like, 
I've read a class, uh, like a couple of classics, but I also feel like I'm coming onto like a heavy metal podcast and being like, have you guys heard of Metallica? Like, yeah, right. you know, like that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, anyway, uh, I asked, I asked Phoebe cause I, I sent this to her and I was like on, uh, on, on, on the wank scale where <laughs> on the wank scale from one to Jeff Buckley, like uh, where does this land? And she was like, this is a solid six to seven. So yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Look, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I feel like it's this game, especially, um, and it happens in a few other games as well, but this game, especially I found writing about it felt like I was becoming like the Ouroboros of pretense, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I can't it... help but notice that as I'm writing about it, I'm like being the, uh, 11th grade literature student being asked to reflect, you know, it's like I feel exactly. that deeply. And so I'm, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's hard to escape. Um, so with that in mind, I just, I just leaned into it, you know? Um, hit me. I'm glad you leaned into it. I leaned into it too. And then I hated myself as a result. So <laughs> hit me with yours and we'll see how I feel. Okay. <laughs> I, feel like I, I mean, I think, I think you're going to feel very safe after oh, I okay. read you this All shit. Right. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> All right. Here we go. Mm. Uh, there's a very real sense of collective loss and longing that oozes from the screen when you play Kentucky Route Zero. It feels daunting and it feels relatable. Themes of debt and obsolescence are tackled with an imaginative verve usually reserved for science fiction stories. It plays like a novel, but it doesn't really play at all. It unfolds and you unfold it. The developers have done an amazing job of creating a framework that allows the writing room to breathe. There's an ebb and flow to the characters, and they all have something to say. It's a tragedy, and everyone is indulging in their own means for survival, yet there's hope and there's camaraderie. But in the end, it illustrates that despite our best intentions, everything eventually comes apart at the seams for all of us. Boom, there it is. We never have to discuss that See, ever again. No, I think you've actually touched on perhaps a similar level of wankery as I have. I might have even <laughs> gone a, a step above the wankery, but, with, oh but with a less understanding, because I didn't actually finish the game. I got to the point where I could not continue. I was like, I can't stand this anymore. And so Whoa, okay. I'm glad that you mentioned a lot of the, the like themes, because I think I struggled to like grasp some of them, having not done the full experience. So just... just... For context, where did you get up to? Like, Dude, what app, what I, I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you. Because <laughs> no. uh, like we mentioned when we were talking, this was one of the games that we actually spoke about more than any of the other games from Games Club so far, which there's only a couple of other games so far, but I feel like this one was maybe one of the most, like, you know, when I was playing um, Death's Door, I was like, I don't, I don't really like this, but I'm like, I can see the, the redeeming parts and there's bits about this that Darian, I'm sure Darian really enjoys. And when we talked about mm -hmm. it, it was kind of like, yeah, that's kind of this cons 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 consensus. But with this one, I was like, bursting at the seams to you know tell you about my disdain for this media and so oh my goodness and so oh, i tried my best not to you know indulge too much um when i was talking to you about it but yeah now that we're here <laughs> oh my god okay yeah so right. I, I i played it out of order i played a bunch of stuff i basically i played all of the main circles on the wheel the big circles uh, there's, there's five of them i believe five chapters 
Yeah, so there's five acts and yep. there's four interludes. Okay, and I played several of the interludes. Um, the place that I got up to with the chapter, like I said, I played all the main chapters, so I've seen I've seen all of those. Oh, um, I mean, yeah. so you've seen the main story. Yeah, yeah, but I, with, I feel like without the interludes, I have I wasn't able to piece it together. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, Maybe I just, I don't know. Yeah, I, just, I personally, I couldn't piece it together. I'm not the best at piecing stories together at the best of times. And so maybe that was like a step too far playing it out of order like that. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, with the interludes, I did all of them up to, um, there was a part where you, right after you do the um, the paperwork building where you're going up and down the elevator. Oh, um, the uh, Bureau of Reclaimed Spaces. Yeah, yeah. You do that and then you do... Um, a driving section i believe where you sort of go around and around the big uh one wheel area yep yeah uh, and then after yep. that you get taken to a forest yeah yeah yep uh, and that's where i put it down oh okay so that's probably like just before the halfway mark okay cool yep right i'm glad i stopped there then okay um, <laughs> yeah so that's where i got up to wow wow okay um, I'll read you my bit and then I have some questions for you about the story because I'm, I'm genuinely interested in knowing about it and like knowing what it actually was because I couldn't piece it together. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's hear it. Oh man. Right. I'm so excited. It's pretty wanky. So like I said, the, the, the 11th grade literature student is strong in this. <clears throat> All right. My hands are down my pants. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my thighs are tensing. They're squeezing together. <laughs> uh, I'm squirming in my chair. Uh, Kentucky Route Zero is the feeling of driving alone on a darkened freeway late at night back from your grandmother's house. You had dinner, but somehow you're still hungry and you're daydreaming of food while looking at the trees fly by like cold green ghosts. You search and search through the ghosts for a glimmer of a yellow arch, but there's nothing. You run a, little light, uh, you run a red light, but feel nothing. Your flat tire light comes on, but you ignore it and you feel nothing. The trees are copies of copies, a duplicate of a copy, and they are like green ghosts. You pull up to the museum. The doors are open. No one is inside. You look, uh, you look at the exhibit, walking slowly. Your feet hurt. You're hungry. Each exhibit is less interesting than the last. Visually striking, but void of meaning, meaning void of purpose, and filled with torture. It is a story from your grandfather with dementia. It is a dream you once had that you immediately forgot after waking but comes back to you after your morning coffee. Not interesting enough to tell even your worst enemy. And that's all I wrote. <laughs> oh my god, not interesting enough to tell your worst enemy? That is fucking... My boy is seething with animosity over there. Um, oh god. Wow, you know, it's funny because, like, that could have been a vignette from the game. And right. it would have, like, fit the tone and the theme. So it's interesting that your, like, view of the game was the kind of character's experience in some of the scenes. Yes. yes. I, that's um, what I mean by the full Ouroboros that I mentioned before. Like, as I was experiencing this, I was like, I know that this is probably, you know, partially, you know, what the creator was going for with a lot of this stuff, you know, like the intended um, emotional impact or feeling of, uh -huh. the, of the experience. And so uh, I felt further vindicated or further like hurt by it. <laughs> like I, was, I just, I just hated the way that it made me feel when I played it. And then I hated my reaction to it. Oh um, my God. Yeah. So the, for me, it really, I really struggled with it. Right. And yeah. so were you able to pinpoint like what it was 
you know, whether it was about the the writing or the gameplay or like the stories that made like made you have a bad time, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There was a few things. Um I think firstly, I think it was the way that it displayed text really bothered me deeply. <laughs> and okay. so when you're reading text off a screen, mm. like, or even off a book, it's just like static, right? You're reading a page, you turn the mm -hmm. page, there's another mm -hmm. block of text for you to read. Mm -hmm. In a game, usually there's like a text box that, down the bottom of the screen, right? That fills right. up. And yeah. as it fills up, it doesn't move, you know, it's just like text appears, text appears, and then you press a button and it like turns the page. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this game, the text comes up and as it comes up, it moves up the screen. Like it's literally moving as you're trying to read it. And I, I was like, I can't enjoy the process of reading because it's, it's like uncomfortable to read the stories in this game because they, oh, the words man. keep moving on the screen. And then I played the chapter right after having that feeling and that realization and writing it down. I played the chapter that was the, um, in the theater and there's the people talking on like all around you and you oh. move the mouse left to right and yeah, that one. Yeah, so, uh, man, you did play it out of order because that comes after where you stopped playing. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I played that and it was like three or four, four words at a time and I was like clicking through it, barely reading it because I couldn't stand the way it was making me read this this text. And oh. then it makes you turn the mouse, like I'm, I was like wanking my mouse pad off at this point because I couldn't I couldn't move the camera fast enough to see who was talking next to skip through their dialogue so that mm -hmm. I could get to the end of this chapter. Like it was just the form factor. It was like holding a book, but the book is covered in pins and, and acid. <laughs> That's how yeah, I felt. Well, yeah. <laughs> wow. I just like, oh man, I really enjoyed that chapter because it was basically like a play. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just, I just like sat there with a cup of tea and it like, it goes, that chapter goes for about an hour and I it just does, sat yeah. there like watching it unfold. I thought it was so nice. Yeah. Oh man. Well, did you know that there are, uh, a bunch of options that can change the way the text is viewed. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, you can, like, the first thing I did was jump into the options and, like, change the text size. Um, and, like, the options are really, like, thoughtful. Like, they, right. they kind of reflect what the rest of the game is like, you know. When you um, want to save your options, you click remember. And if you want to, yeah. like, go back to defaults, you click forget. Um, but, yeah, there are a bunch of options there that, can change how fast the text appears if it like you know appears at all or it's just all there and you just scroll oh that would have uh, saved my life oh my yeah God. so yeah. that that was just an option brother <laughs> right i didn't even look in the option i didn't know there was an options menu and so oh, yeah, no. I, didn't really, I thought this was just i don't know man personally i feel like it's fine that it's an option I'm, i wish i had changed it but why is the default this scrolly text thing oh Man, uh, I mean, I yeah. I left it at that the whole game. I thought it was fine. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe because I was like playing it on a console or something. Like it just yeah, I don't know. it I, just I made about sense. That too. I reckon it's definitely a television game, not a sitting at your desk style game. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. The um, I thought the the kind of port, I guess you would call it, to console was really good because yep. there just wasn't. Um, there wasn't any point where I was like, oh, I wish I was using a mouse, you know, like when I was playing Disco Elysium and I was like, oh my fucking Lord, give me a mouse right now. Yeah. Um, this was just like, I, I don't know, because most of the environments were like 
2D or maybe a little bit isometric. Um, it was just, yeah, it was just really easy to kind of sit back and, and play. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, that before I go too deep on the, like, hateful stuff, um, I mean, that's <laughs> most, the, most of the hateful stuff, but I thought it was visually fantastic. Like, the um, yeah. compositions and the shapes and the, like way the characters hold themselves and i mean the animation's like serviceable for the the sort of game that it was but even that was quite good i liked the way the characters moved around and the limping mm. and the dog animation all that sort of stuff was like just visually the um the composition of each frame was striking you know there's that scene where you pull up to uh those men pushing that plane along and you just watch them as they push the plane along and i i was like arrested by that i thought that was fantastic right um, that's and it the... was one of the that's Sorry? the last chapter of the right. game. Okay. What the fuck order did you play this? I have in? no idea, dude. I don't, oh. That's the other thing as well. You know, like you said with the options, I didn't know there was options and I didn't know that there was a correct order to play the game in. <laughs> I just don't, like, I don't know how I pre was presented with the way that I, like, like, how should I have played this game? I mean, yeah, that's very Ugh. strange. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you could play it any other way. Like yeah, you load know, it up and press continue. Like there are no, you have to go <laughs> out of your way to do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, well, okay. So I was quitting. I think that's when it happened. Like I was leaving the game and then there was like back to the circle. Right. And then mm -hmm. I saw that there was all these chapters. Mm -hmm. I think that's when I, when I like in, at the end of one of the chapters, I must've done that. I don't, I don't actually remember how, how it happened. But... Right. Yeah. Anyway. Um... Anyway, I totally agree with what you're saying about the visuals. I thought mm. they were they were really good, and I thought they um, there's a lot of visual storytelling. Like I thought it was like the visuals added to the experience. You know, this is very easily something that could have just been a book if the visuals and the writing weren't in such harmony. Um, yeah. And I I felt like they added a lot. Um, there's especially like some scenes where like the environment is slowly changing. Mm. Um, and, and like to jump into one of the main things around the game, which is also a new word that this game taught me. Um, what, one of the main themes was senescence, right? Which is mm -hmm. like the deterioration of something due to age. Um, and that was just like at the forefront of like every scene and every character experience. And when you like learned about their struggles and their fears and their dreams, like it was all based around the environment and everything that they kind of have known up until this point deteriorating or disappearing or dying. Right. Um, and I just thought like the, the, game did a beautiful job or the, or the writers did a beautiful job of like communicating that with what each person spoke about and also what they didn't speak about, you know, like right. this is another, another kind of mechanic where this does so much more than a book could, could have done in its place because you still learn things um, just from the options you see, you know, like there's this yeah, great, yeah. Yeah. There's this great, um, one, my favorite interlude was the last interlude, which is like in the community TV shack. Um, yep. I, I don't know if you, you saw that one. Yeah. Right. Yep. So like, there's just so much that's happening in that interlude and it, it, or it's like super cohesive and it's all just like, I don't know. It's kind of like. 
It's kind of like if you knew the end of the world was 10 minutes away and you right. could just sit back and relax and watch it happen. That's the kind of like vibe I got, you know, like the water's slowly rising. Um, Emily, who's like the, the character that you kind of inhabit for that interlude is just like trying to run things, but she's also just like pretty understanding of like the ephemeral nature of everything that is physical. And it's like, oh yeah. man, all these tapes are going to get waterlogged and like that might be it for like everything we've done over the last couple of years for this station. And, you know, it was just yeah. like uh, so many characters didn't give themselves like the opportunity to grieve. And yeah. I feel like it was, there was a lot of nuance there, you know, like it was communicating that these characters are kind of used to it. They're just kind of at this point where losing everything they know is, is common. Right. Um, and I thought, yeah, the, the game told sim like stories to that, um, theme over and over again and they varied and uh, yeah, I, I really liked like how much fun it felt. I felt the writers were having with like exploring that theme of senescence. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was trying to like get a, I, I love all that stuff, by the way, the, the way you're talking about that really makes me, um wish I had have grasped some, at least some of that stuff. Um, so I was talking to this game, uh, I was talk, talk, talking to my boss, Johnny, that I mentioned before about this game, because I really mm -hmm. respect Johnny. I think he's like creatively one of the most um, creatively powerful people that I've ever met. Right. Um, and I was like, hey, have you played um, Kentucky Route Zero? And he's like, yeah, man, it's like one of my favorite games ever. And I was oh, like, shit. I can't believe you've just told this to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we had a little rap about it and, um, yeah, he mentioned that the characters' options being an insight into, you know, a way of storytelling, an insight mm. into their inner thoughts or an insight into what you could potentially play them as. And just, like, giving you that that level of insight is, like, quite a powerful thing that video games do. And I could see them doing that in this game, though I didn't I didn't get it. Um, right, right. Yeah, it, it, the options all seemed meaningless to me because I was already signed off at that point that I was being given these options. I was oh. in that TV chapter, at least anyway. I was like, none of these, I'm not even reading the top half. I'm just going to pick one at random. Oh, no. I know, yeah, I know, I, I know how that sounds distressing. I, yeah, and I just wasn't grasping it. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 there must have come a point when the game just ticked me off beyond repair and I just couldn't come back from that. And I'm trying to yeah. remember exactly where that point might have been. Um, I yeah, think it was, what... like, right after the... Right at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, I, think, I think the first chapter for me was, like, the strongest. Maybe just because I was paying the most attention. Right. Um, and there was... I think there was a point in that when I was just completely lost on the road and not knowing where to go and just sort of you know, by process of elimination, driving down every little alleyway that I was allowed to. And I felt oh. that the game was intentionally wasting my time. <laughs> and yeah. then from there, it was like hard to come back. Oh no. You know, you yeah. had like a notebook that told you where to go. Yeah, but not always. Like it's like, sometimes it was like, Hey, you have to go to this place and that was fine. And then the char character would say something and I would immediately forget what they said because my short term memory is not good. And then right. I'd be lost and I'd be like, oh, there's nothing in the notebook and I don't know where to go. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I'd just drive around for like 20 minutes looking at all the roads trying to. Oh, my something. God. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't sound very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I, 
I didn't get lost except when you were supposed to, you know, because mm, yep. like s- some of the directions were like purposefully kind of dream logic-y. Yep. And I, I really love that. Like the first time you're told how to get onto Route Zero, they're like tune the radio station until something sounds vaguely familiar and then go in the opposite direction. And I loved that. I was like, yeah. oh, that's so fucking cool. That's like, you know, that's kind of like that sci-fi logic that I was talking yeah. about where like you don't need to explain what's happening. You just need to know that it's happening. Um, yeah, right. Um, interesting that like you thought that the first chapter was the best. And I know that you said it's it's maybe because you were paying the most attention. Yeah. Um, but this is like definitely a game that suffers from what I like to call the, uh, the Bojack Horseman effect. Right. Um, so like, I mean, for me, Bojack Horseman is like the best animated show. Like the only, the only show that comes close is like golden age Simpsons. Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But the thing is like the first season is good, right? Just Mm -hmm. as the first chapter is good in Kentucky route zero, but it's not exactly representative of where the game or the story goes. Um, and I think, I think like, that's okay, but, like, I can imagine people being turned off by the slow pace and, the, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Because, like, the first two chapters are really slow. You're not introduced to that many characters. Yeah. And, and like you say in that, um, you know, that that section where you're in the Bureau of Reclaimed Spaces and they're, they're trying to satirize, like, government process. Yeah, yeah. But in the end, you're actually doing it. Like, they're trying to make fun of it, but you're also, like, wasting a lot of time. Um, and, like, you know, the game has a sense of humour, so, like, I enjoyed it. But while I was playing that, I was like, oh, man, this this could be a turning point for a lot of players, like... They, you know, you still only got a couple of characters at this point, and you know, if they're not in for that just like slow meandering pace, mm. I can imagine players turning away. Um, yeah, I thought about that too because I think that's sort of like where I arrived at why maybe I was having some of these feelings towards it was like I'm maybe not in the right headspace for a slow game like this right now, like right. Some, something in my brain at the moment, at least in my life needs to be a little bit more um you know if i'm playing a game at least needs to be like stimulated in the context of playing a game Mm. and when when a game is you know as thoughtful as kentucky route zero is trying to be i I feel like i can't i don't have time for it and yeah so there's part of me where i was like anytime i boot it up i felt as though i needed to rush through it or that like i wasn't that it wasn't like taking my time it wasn't respecting my time and I just didn't, you know, I, I was too slow. It's too slow. <laughs> it's too slow for me. Right. And yeah. All of that was just furthered by everything, you know, like the text crawl, the way everything was displayed, the slow movement of the character, the slowness of the camera, all that stuff. You know, I can, I can see how, like, I can see both sides, you know, I can see how there's like a side like mine where it's like, I just need to go progress through this so that I can talk about it better. And then also that I can have an opinion about it. And then the other part that's like, oh, it's actually, you know, nice to have a game that is as thoughtful and, you know, uh, considered as a game like Kentucky Route Zero. Yeah, and and I think I think you're right. Like this is this is a mood game. You know, like mm. we talked about this a little bit off the pod, but for me, 
it took me about two and a half, three weeks to finish it just because like, I didn't want to force it if I wasn't in the mood because like if, if I wanted to, I don't know, shoot some shit up or something like you can't go to Kentucky route zero. Like for me, it was the mood where, you know, i wanted to like have a cup of tea and read or something like that's, that's when I put it on. And like, because I was already in that zone, like it just, yeah, it was really pleasing. Um, pretty much the whole time. Yeah. Um, I think like the ideal zone for me would be, I'd been sitting on the train for 20 minutes and gotten bored of my phone and pull out my steam deck. And instead of like reading a book, I would pull out, yeah, pull out the steam deck and play Kentucky Route Zero. Like, I think yeah. that would be the zone for me. Um, but sitting at my desk, maybe there's just like some mental thing that happens when I'm sitting in my chair at my desk. That's like productivity based. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, yeah, it's funny you you mentioning progress as well because I think that's like the antithesis of what this game is yeah. about. Almost, it's it's about the time you spend with the characters. It's you know, it's just that classic journey over destination story. Um, mm. And I think like when it comes to like our game club games, I've just been really lucky in the game that I played beforehand, like with Death's Door the game I played before that was carry on and that didn't have a map either. And so I was kind of primed to, to pay attention to like environments and not use a map. And then like before Sayonara Wild Hearts, I played Tetris effect and I was like primed for that exact type of gameplay. (laughs) And then like before this, I played outer wilds and it's extremely similar. It's all about like stopping to smell the roses and literally that's the point. Um, And so it just felt kind of like natural for me to swing into this like super slow pace and just enjoy the ride. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. I'm glad that we have picked some games that you really enjoyed. <laughs> like, you know, even though I don't enjoy them, it's like, it's so cool that you can get into them. You know, it's mm-hmm. the same for everyone listening. It's like, you know, if you're on the side of, you know, needing something a little bit more, um, video gamey then it makes sense that you probably wouldn't enjoy something like Sayonara Wild Hearts but at the same time maybe you're sick of that and you're ready for something a little bit more like Sayonara uh, a little more like Kentucky Route Zero yeah yeah and it, like yeah I think we're doing a good job with the game club because that's the point of a book club right yeah, is to yeah. read things that you wouldn't pick yes um, totally and it yeah it just it feels good to kind of yeah we've we've got a lot of variety so far and I I hope we can keep it up um yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I um, sorry. Have you played a game called Oxenfree before? Oh, uh, no. You know, I um, I've got it on my Switch, and yeah. I was gonna have it as one of the invisible picks for the first uh, month of Game Club. But I remember you saying you've played it, so I didn't want to yeah. force you to play it again. Yeah, I think um, I didn't like Oxenfree, but I think I didn't like it for the same reasons I didn't like this game. And so you might really like Oxenfree. I think a lot of people really liked Oxenfree. Um, yeah. Yeah, wasn't, no, I'm, wasn't I'm me, keen. Yeah. It's, it's, um, good. it's definitely got a little bit more like video game to it. You know, there's kind of more right. linearity and, you know, one bunch of characters instead of several. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you, uh, I think you probably enjoy it if you're in the mood. Yeah, cool. Well, um, I've got a bunch of stuff that I just want to gush over. So can I just maybe gush for a little bit and you can interject and tell me that shit or whatever? 
okay, I, I have another proposition. I have some stuff too, um, and I'd rather oh, okay. end, end on a happy note. You know. Oh, okay. The, the glee right. and that'll send us into the email. All right, how's that sound? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. Hit me. Hit me with. Okay, it's just some quick notes here. Uh, in in the theater level uh, or the, the theater chapter, mm-hmm. one of the characters in the audience, I think it was. I don't know who it was, but they said, it's not a theater, it's a prison. And mm-hmm. I felt that deeply to my core. Um, <laughs> uh, the self-commentary from the perspective of the, the seats in the theater just added to the wank I wrote. So there was a bunch of stuff that felt like there were people who made the game maybe were writing about, you know, it felt like a developer's commentary almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I c- can I just interject real yeah, quickly? Yeah, yeah, please do, yeah. I didn't know we were in a theater i thought we were uh, at, right. a, at a bar and it wasn't till the end that i turned around oh. and there was an audience and i was like whoa what the fuck like there's a director yeah. and everything yeah um yep. So, so i didn't i didn't get any of that commentary wow okay yeah so almost uh, not straight away but um there was a point when you have to turn the camera or the stage goes black and then i moved away to see if there was anything else to look at and that's when i noticed the so it would have been after the first time the stage goes black i don't know when that oh, was shit oh shit Wow. Yeah. Um, feels like Oxenfree, I wrote, which is why I mentioned Oxenfree. Um, cool. There's beautiful and deliberate shot making. Uh, the mines have a top-heavy composition to make you feel trapped, and the majesty of the giant horse head was really cool at the gas station. I also like their play with light in the in the mines when you were sort of turning on the, uh, the light and you could see, you know, shapes and stuff. But when you turn it off, there was, like, ghosts walking around. I thought that was really neat. Yeah. Did you... Um... Did you end up playing the bit where you're on the little dinghy going through the bat um, preservation? No. Uh, that was another really cool kind of just uh, revisiting of, of that mechanic where, yeah. like, basically bats are drawn to the light as you're, you know, to- you're, you're playing as um, Connor. I think it's Connor talking to Shannon. Mm-hmm. And, like, every now and again the bats will get to full on and you have to turn the lights off and sit in the uh, dark and wait for them to dissipate and like you know it brings up other conversations but i thought it was like similar to the mine and just like a really smooth implementation of like a really simple mechanic that spurs on conversation yeah yeah no i i i think that, that's dope i love that um what else have i got here everything i said and that did felt inconsequential probably intentional um but at a certain at a certain point, I, f- I felt like the choices were kind of meaningless. Right. Yeah. Well, I think like, I think it would be a mistake to think that like you're the characters. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. Like you're very much just viewing the lives of these characters through a window. Totally. Yep. Yep. Um, Ron fell asleep in his chair in that last, last chapter and so did I almost. <laughs> um and then i just wrote some stuff here about the text Uh, oh and i turned on captions but they didn't work i can't remember why i wrote that there was a point here about putting captions on i'm not sure what that was about right uh and that's it right okay well yeah man i'm sorry that like the second game i've chosen you have not liked and like (laughs) you know it's it's I think it's a little bit different because like, you know, we're doing this podcast and we're doing game club games. So you maybe are playing these games longer than you would have otherwise, Mm -hmm. if you were just searching for something that like matched your mood or whatever. And so like, I've got this feeling that like, oh man, if we were going to do like 
you know, Joe's top five worst games, I'm pretty sure Kentucky and Death's Door would be, like, up there. No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, just because I didn't enjoy it doesn't mean that I that I don't think it's, like, a bad game necessarily. Mm. Um, I, right, I, I think, see. like, if I had have known more about the options a little bit earlier, I might have had more time for it. If I was in the right mind space, you know, like, I'm, I'm definitely, like, critically looking at this and being, like, you know, it's it's so outside my personal taste that I can't enjoy it. But I could, I don't think it would end up end up on any lists necessarily. Right. Okay. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that makes sense. Um. All right. Uh. Let me let me gush a little. Sure. Uh. So man, I loved all of the Babushka narrative stuff. Um. Which which I think you were calling like Ouroboros stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um. So there's like one scene where you play a choose your own adventure game, and as part of the choose your own adventure game, so like you're playing these characters that you're familiar with, and you're playing characters that you've heard about in a choose your own adventure game, and it like it just added this like really fun, weird kind of feeling where you were like, you've heard about these characters, but you're a little bit in control of their story. Um, and I know you were saying before that, like, some of the choices feel meaningless. And I think, mm -hmm. like, you know, some of the choices are neither here or there. Like, they feel designed so that you get insight into what the characters yep. are thinking or feeling. But, like, beyond the actions they take, like, there's not going to be that much of a difference. Yep. Um, but in Act 4, when you get on the, the river, which is, like, the river version of Route Zero, um, there's, like, all these options and... Every, it, it's basically this formula so that every time the boat has a stop, you get these options and you get to choose like different characters and you get to choose to stay on the boat or go out. And it really did have that like impact. And mm. so when you were playing the choose your own adventure game, it was cool because you were kind of forming the story that your characters were yet to hear about, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, you as a player were experiencing the story at the same time of the characters, and I just thought that was really cool. Um, and there's another moment in the game, um, which is in that chapter where you're on the boat. Um, I decided to get off the boat, um, and you observe Shannon taking a test about memory, mm -hmm. but you're observing it as two characters in the future and the the test is for Shannon, but it's also effectively testing your memory. So, like, you're simultaneously playing Shannon, the two characters from the future who are watching a recording of Shannon, and you're playing yourself because your memory's being tested. And I fucking... I loved that. Like, it was <laughs> Charlie Kaufman as shit, and I was just like, oh, my God. Like, they, they pulled it off so beautifully because, like... I mean, it's kind of a bit much to hear me explain it, but when you're sitting there experiencing yeah. it, like, it was very straightforward. Nice. Um, and, yeah, so, like, the fourth act was just incredible. I, f I feel like they snuck about, like, 50 distinct stories into that one act, wow. and, like, it was so goddamn compelling. And, like, you know, some of them were just, like, anecdotes or whatever, but, like, yeah, there were just some real rabbit holes to go down and yeah mm. i just i like enjoyed every second of that act um man for me the music and the sound design were just beautiful 
Um, mm. So the sound design really added to some of the more climactic conversations. So like when shit started to get real between like two characters or like the boys from the Hard Times distillery, um, you know, you might hear like the droning of a nearby machine and like the screen slowly fades to black. And so all the focus is on the text and like yeah. what's happening. And I loved that. I feel like that was so immersive and it totally drew me in. Um, and yeah, like kind of going back to that theme around um, senescence, uh, there was so much music and art in in all of the acts and i feel like there was just a lot of commentary around you know how we're not long for this world but the thing that we leave behind like the echoes that we have are generally pieces of art and music that come from like community interaction um and i just felt like that was a beautiful message and they communicated that message really well and there was like a little bit of that message in, in every act. So yeah, it just felt really nice that, um, you know, because there's just so much tragedy that's happening. Um, you know, there, there, there were these kind of little thought ribbons of hope that you could grab onto. Yeah. it's awesome. Um, and yeah, I, I guess just like a couple of facts that I found out about. Um, cause I was, I was like really interested after I finished how this came to be, um, and this was originally a, a Kickstarter game, um, and it, it, it took the developers nine years from Kickstarting oh to release. Um, so they, they actually released it like an act at a time over seven years. Oh my God. Wow. Um, yeah. So like, I, it felt pretty special kind of just easily being able to play it all in one and like having it all together. Um, because yeah, it sounds like it took them like a long time to like polish and, and make sure everything fit the way they wanted it to fit. Um, and kind of akin to your experience when I completed the game, I went and looked at the achievements, right. And I couldn't help but notice, uh, only 1.46% of players saw the credits roll, <laughs> yeah. which is like insane. An infinitesimal amount of players. I've fucking never seen it that low. You know, yeah. like, more players have fucking Platinums in FromSoft games. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's... Yeah, that that really blew me for a loop because I was like, all right, it's probably going to low, but 1.46, holy shit. Um, unfortunately, I don't know how many people started the game, so I can't really yeah. say, you know, how also, meaningful that number is, but yeah, still... That could just be on Xbox as well. Like, it doesn't account for PC and Switch. Oh, and oh yeah. 100%. Yeah, no, it'll yeah. just be the Xbox achievements. Yeah. So. Um, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. One other thing was, like, if you didn't go to the menus, you might not have seen this, but did you see the multiplayer option? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> okay, so, bro, when you first start a game, the first thing you do is go through the options. Like, what are you doing? You start <laughs> games and not look at the options? I didn't see any options, dude. It just put me at the fucking uh, gas station. Oh, jeez. Anyway, <laughs> um, so the multiplayer instructions are play until you encounter something, an image, a sound, a choice of words, a notable, a notable absence that reminds you of someone else in the room. 
pass control of the game to that person. You don't have to explain yourself and so on. And I thought that was just like, I mean, that's a very good example of like how poetic a lot of the prose was and Mm. like how it communicated its themes. But I just thought that was like such a beautiful little thing that didn't take, you know, any dev time just to put in and be like, hey, you know, if, if you've got other people in the room, you can, you can play it like this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Um, and yeah, just before we, uh, read an email we've got, um, I just wanted to give y'all some recommendations. If you did really love Kentucky Route Zero and you maybe wanted to read, um, some books that do fit into that, like, American literature canon. Um, so if you're wanting to read something classic, um, I'd go for Cannery Row by John Steinbeck. It's like a, a beautiful story about um, basically a bunch of boys that live in this riverside town in poverty. And it's just character driven like Kentucky Route Zero. And it's just a window into like people's motivations and their fears and dreams. And I'm really into that shit. So, yeah, if you want something classic and similar, that's that's where I'd go. And if you want something contemporary, um, I'd go for That Old Ace in the Hole by Annie Prue. Um, who's one of my favourite authors. She famously wrote... um, Oh, fuck. I've just forgotten the name of the book. It's like one of my favourites. Oh, The Shipping News, um, which which is from 1994. And that is just like an incredible book. You know, she won the Pulitzer Prize. It's got a movie, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, if you want something similar to to Kentucky, that old ace in the hole is really good. And... um, Cormac McCarthy has a bunch of books that explore a lot of the themes that Kentucky Route Zero does. Mm. Um, pretty Most of his books except The Road, really. So, like, um, Blood, Meridian, um, uh, even No Country for Old Men, which is, like, a fucking amazing book and, and you should totally read anyway. Um, but, yeah, pretty much anything that isn't The Road by Cormac McCarthy explores similar stuff. Yeah, right. Hell yeah. That's awesome, man. Uh, I love this sort of like Darren's book corner. <laughs> like we, <laughs> we should do this more, you know, like have any game that we go through, just be like, oh, I, I've read this book. It sort of reminded me of this game. Yeah, I mean, uh, th- that'd be awesome. Yeah if, yeah. if ever, if ever you play a game where it reminds you of a book, holla. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of books, I read that chapter from um, the three most of explosion short stories with the cards. I can't remember what it's oh, called, like the bee. The suits. Uh, yeah. Um, what was it? Oh, something about a bee. Um, yeah, that was fantastic. I really, oh. really, really enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, that's a that's a fucking cracker of a short yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. Just that sort of abstract, you know, like unknowable, weird. Um, but also like a, a little bit charactery as well. I really liked. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Nice. I th- I think that's the best thing about that author. Right, like Chana Mieville has all of these super like fun and interesting sci-fi concepts, but he also has like emotion and characters in his short stories. Yeah. And I I yeah. feel like that's where like a lot of sci-fi um, short stories. I read kind of fall flat in that department where they're cool. They're cool as fuck, but like yeah. the emotional payoff just isn't there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed it. Hell um, yeah. So we have an email here. Shall we blitz through it? Yeah. Yeah. You, do you want to read it? I'll go for it. Yeah. Sure. Oh, sick. <clears throat> it's from Damien. 
Oh, wait, hold on. Before we read the email, I mean, very excited. Do not want to cut you off. Oh. But do you, do you want to roll the 1d4? Find out Absolutely. what our, our next game is? Um, yes, yes. All right, so I'll roll and let you know what the number is. Uh, yeah, let me just let me just pull it up. You you tell me the number and I'll tell you the game. All right. It's a one. Moonscars. Joe's game right. for February is Moonscars. Very good. I'm so, pumped for Moonscars. Yeah, so just quickly, like, I haven't heard of this game except for you wanting to play it. So where, where do you hear about it? Uh, on the front page of Microsoft Game Pass. <laughs> <laughs> wow, and that's it. That's all. That's all. Yeah, I downloaded it. I opened it up. I haven't, t- I haven't played it. It's just sort of been chilling there, ready to go. So um, make sure I look at the menu for that one before I play it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, honestly, I think that's just, that's a good habit to have is just checking yeah. options. I mean, maybe maybe because I'm fucking, like, blind, and so every game I play, I kind of want the text to be as large as it can possibly be. So, right. like, I'll check the options before I start the game. But um, I think I think it's a good habit. Yeah, I, uh, dude, I'm going to do it from now on. <laughs> um, that is the oh. lesson of Kentucky Route Zero. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, at least you got something out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, in having heard all of the stuff that you were talking about in your positives uh, gushy section, it's actually kept that game on my radar. So, you know, when when the time comes to have a Steam Deck and I'm still on public transport, it's definitely being installed. Um, okay. And going to be ready to try again. Um, and first thing I do will be to check out the text options. Um, well, you know, you know what I was thinking? Um, yeah. Because apparently if you've got Game Pass, you can stream it to your phone and... Oh. And Kentucky has no Twitch. Like, there's nothing where you need to mm. do anything at any speed. So, like, as far as streaming goes to a phone goes, you know, if, like, if you haven't been able to play Kentucky or, like, yeah, it's just not appealed to you in Joe's setup where you're sitting at a PC or something, you know, maybe streaming it on a phone or, like, an iPad or something could uh, could be the ticket. Yeah, that's a good point as well. I've never tried that. I'll have to try, try it. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's dig into this email. Hell yeah. It's from Damien. It says, uh, <laughs> it says, hi, boys. <laughs> Hello. Me. Yeah, sorry. I don't know why. I, I felt the whole shift in my body when I, when I read that. Um, <laughs> hi, boys. Between overseas holidays, the nightmare that is working in a supermarket distribution over the Christmas period and the spicy cough finally catching up with me. I haven't had a great deal of time to keep up with the Games Club games as you guys have been playing them, but I have started to catch up and wanted to share my thoughts and experiences with you guys. Oh my god, alright. I'm in. I love this. Alright. Uh, I will preface this per- uh, sorry, I'll preface this first off by saying that I haven't finished Death's Door. I have played through the Wern- uh, Urn Witch's estate uh, and beat the Urn Witch. Uh, Hell yeah. It was wild to hear the two of you come away from playing the game uh, with completely different opposite takes. Honestly, I hope we get more Games Club games like this in the future. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ooh. Well, there you go. Great content. Yeah, I, I'm glad. Look, we're not doing this on purpose, Demo, but there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. like, I'm I'm picking games that I think we'll both enjoy. Like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not like, oh, Joe's going to fucking hate this. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, that's what I'm I... saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I was <laughs> open to enjoy. I'm open to enjoying all the games we pick. Um, okay. Uh, where am I? Um, I think I'm... F- 
falling somewhere in between the two of you though i certainly don't hate the game the same with the same passion that joe does <laughs> but i'm also not as enamored with it as does the music is fantastic and a clear highlight for me as is the art style i love juxtaposition of the grayscale palette used in the hub world and the vibrant colors elsewhere yeah that was cool uh, the combat is enjoyable enough and generally not too difficult, but with enough sections that increase the challenge to keep you engaged. The few puzzles I encountered were simple enough to not keep you stuck on them for any great amount of time, but felt satisfying to complete. I did, however, find the controls to be somewhat clunky, uh, but not too much of an issue once I got used to them. My biggest issue with the game was the healing system. I found it essentially to be redundant, yes, is what I was saying. Mm -hmm. uh, I felt like it would have been better implemented as a checkpoint system, allowing a player to choose more where to spend the collection of seeds to recreate a spawn point. Um, sorry, right. uh, collection of seeds to create a spawn point. So yeah, you could so effectively set the spawn point. Right. So I think that's like Ori, where yeah. you don't need a pot. You can actually just create a spawn point wherever you like. Like you yeah. can just create a, a bonfire from Dark Souls wherever you yeah. like, as long as you've got the resources. Yeah, I mentioned I spoke to Damo the other night. We went out to have some dinner, and I, we were talking about this. And I was like, "Yeah, what if we had you know bonfires? You could effectively right. have a, a better, better way to play it." Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, otherwise, uh, for the system to feel as impactful it is, uh, sorry, I'll read that again. Otherwise, for the system to feel impactful as it is, I feel like there needed to be more consequences for dying. Uh, while I have enjoyed the time I spent with Death's Door so far, I'm not convinced there is enough to take me back to finish it off without feeling like a slog whoa without feeling like a slog wow i feel like i feel like you yeah okay all right damn yeah. i uh yeah fair enough i mean the the urn witch's estate is absolutely the best time in that game mm. so like if you feel like that wasn't good enough to keep you going then yeah i don't think um i don't think it's it's maybe going to be for you uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts, on the other hand, I was a big fan of. It was simple and well executed. I thought it did a great job of tutorializing through context, even when the gameplay was slightly, uh, was tweaked slightly between levels, I always knew what needed to be done, based on various contextual clues. The controls felt super satisfying, the motor motorbike felt distinctly different to controlling the car, flying felt different to falling, the music is great, the tracks are absolute bops, and sync perfectly with the game's visual style. There is a pretty good chance I'll be seeking out a copy of the soundtrack on vinyl in the future. Oh, that sounds dope. Um, yeah, that'd be sick. I could take or leave the narrative storytelling at the start and end of the game. I didn't find it to be necessary, but it didn't really take anything away from the game for me either. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, a quick I'd agree PSA. To all that. Yeah. A quick PSA for the game, though. By the end of my play session, I was left with a distinct feeling of motion sickness. I have a history of motion sickness with VR games, but never really been issued for regular games. I also played and finished Joe's official game of the year, Need for Speed Heat Unbound, so fast moving images <laughs> alone, uh, generally not an issue for me. Yeah, that game, if that game didn't give you motion sickness then. Um, it's interesting that this one did. Uh, perhaps it's something to do with that couple with particular visual style and color palette. Perhaps it's just something worth bearing in mind for anyone who knows they also suffer from motion sickness. Good point. Yeah. Uh, the, um, the only thing I would say is there are some levels in that game where you like... Uh, I think you're on a motorbike and you like navigate onto these little circles and they do this like crazy spin and mm. like the camera whips around and reorients you. And like, I, I thought it was fine and cool or whatever, but like I could definitely imagine someone doing that and being like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, there's also the, ang the uh, field of view of that game is, is, you know, conducive to motion sickness and, um, mm. 
the repetitiveness of the environment flying by you also doesn't help with that. Um, so yeah, I can see how it would just be like, at, at times. Yeah, yeah. Um, keep up the great work, guys. Always look forward to being able to share my weekend drive with the boys, capital B. Hell yeah. Uh, would love to hear a future episode. Continue the conversation around mobile games that you've started on a couple of occasions. Uh, would love to consider cultural perspectives. Why is mobile gaming such a big business in Japan and presumably the rest of Asia to the point that Disney developed a game called Twisted Wonderland? Well, this is interesting. Twisted Wonderland that has become so popular it has spawned a number of themes, themed cafes in Japan but isn't even available to download in Australia. A lot of these big Japanese mobile games revolve around the concept of gacha, but seem to be advertised heavily and publicly. You can't ride a train without seeing adverts for multiple mobile games, he says, at 20 mm. to 30 somethings. Yeah, right, okay. Uh, whereas in the uh, West, mobile games seem to be perceived as more predatory in a, hey, kid, do you know mommy and daddy's credit card number kind of way? Yes. <laughs> um, this is a very interesting topic. Would also be keen to hear about modding and its place in gaming culture and would love to hear more guest episodes. Your friend, Twilight Priest. Hell yeah. Thank you, Twilight Priest, aka Damon. Sick. Yeah, that's that'd be a really interesting topic around mobile games because, like, yeah, there's, I mean, I, I think it is a culture thing. You know, mm. like, especially in Japan where there's just not a lot of emphasis on spending time at home, mm. you know, like TVs and house parties, like, aren't a priority in Japan like they are in the West. And so, like, it just makes sense that, like, every time there's a portable gaming device in Japan, it's way more popular there than anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. There's been a couple of times earlier on in my career where I heard about a Japanese game and wanted to try it, even though I probably wouldn't be able to read the menus enough to open the game in the first place. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they just sounded interesting. And then I ended up getting, you know, some pale version of it that had been done by a studio, a Western studio. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's cool. I'm, I'm so curious to try these games to see exactly what, they are um i know there's like a bunch of gacha in them but it's usually like the, f the flower around the gacha that makes it so popular you know like in the case for genshin impact which is also a mobile game um is you know the interesting combat and the characters that they keep introducing and the way all the elements mix together is sort of fueling the need for the gacha um right so yeah keen to I, I wish i had someone like a friend in japan i could be like hey can you check the top of the pop store for me right now and tell me what <laughs> there is and, and play them for 10 minutes each and let me know yeah um, yeah 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 otherwise i don't know how much insight i can really give apart from my experience in mobile games in the west um which yeah. is reasonably comprehensive i suppose yeah so yeah, yeah. I, I would have not much to add at all but yeah i'd love to hear your takes for sure mm mm Alrighty, um, and uh, Twilight Priest, like, what did you think of Need for Speed Heat Unbound? You know, like, <laughs> speed it up you you email writers leaving us hanging out here on mm. the uh, on on the Joe Daz score front. Um, no, but we do love to receive your emails. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was speaking to a friend at work the other day because um, after they saw me play Need for Speed, uh, Need for Speed, they. Um, <laughs> They were really keen to play it themselves, and over the Christmas holidays, they just like mainlined it over a weekend. They just did the whole game in one city, basically. Holy shit! And I was that's like, awesome. wow, mad respect. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. sick. So, anyway, that's that's Need for Speed. Um, any ooh, anything else? 
I think that's it. Love doing, love doing these like focus episodes with you about a game we played. Um, mm. Real, real keen on on Moon Scars. Like I don't even know the genre, so fucking psyched to just jump into that and see what's up. Yeah, um, I'm actually keen to give it a go tonight. Actually, I'm I'm, I'm looking for something fresh. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. All right. Well, uh, if that's all we got, we'll. Uh... Hope you'll have a really good weekend and uh, we'll catch you when it's almost the weekend again. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.